This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to Shrink Chicks. I'm Emily Beerley. And I'm Jennifer Chaikin. And we're licensed marriage and family therapists and owners of the therapy group. We're on a mission to make therapy and therapeutic topics more relatable and accessible. So stay tuned, because in order to grow yourself, you gotta know yourself. Hey, Em. Hi, Jen. We're sleepy today, you know? It's a rainy day in Philadelphia. It's not only like, sunny in Philadelphia today. But so we could. <laughs> you're good. You are funny when you're tired. I am tired. Has you're anyone tired ever too. told you that? I know. Yeah. So Speaking of tired, postpartum. You're really fucking tired when you're postpartum. <laughs> and here's the thing. I feel like, you know, we we haven't done a postpartum episode where, you know, I just think for us, to, for me to be able to ask you some of these listener questions, Em. And to kind of talk about it from your perspective. And then later in the episode, we are going to be joined by the wonderful Erica Jossa, who's a fellow therapist and a host of the MomWell podcast, um, to also answer some listener questions. So I just thought it'd be nice for you to weigh in a little bit on it. And um, then we can go from there. I think it's going to be really, really helpful. Let's do it. Let's get started. Here's a really good question. How would you suggest supporting a friend during postpartum, especially when they're afraid to hold the babies or take care of the babies? I don't know what that means. But what's the best way to support a friend who's who is postpartum? Do their dishes. So like, okay, so (laughs) if you're going over to someone's house, so one, I think the thing that we all do is let me know if you need anything. And when you are postpartum, for many, many folks, you're in a panic mode. And so you're saying, oh, no, no, I'm great. I don't need any thank you. But in the back of your head, um, you're saying, well, I need a nap. I need a shower. I need blah, blah, blah. Here's all this stuff happening. So one of the things I would say is, hey, this week I can stop by A, B, and C and bring you lunch. What time works for you? Or you can bring them lunch, drop it outside the door and say nothing and don't ask for anything in return, right? It is a lot of people are scared about babies. A lot of people feel fragile about babies, especially if that baby was preemie or in the NICU or different stuff like that. That's okay. I get that, especially in like this COVID world that we live in. But a lot of times when you get there, like it's the other stuff that's overwhelming. I have to do the laundry. I have to tidy up. I have to take the dog for a walk. I have to throw the ball for the dog, do the dishes. You can offer to do those things as well. And show up with something, you know, like it doesn't have to be like you buy this like expensive, like, you know, buy like a fucking Tiffany's rattle, show up and be like, hey, I got you like this foot mask from Target. Um, You know, I know that the hospital air is dry, right? So you can do something really small that's really impactful and very meaningful. And I think it's also important that you don't expect anything in return. I think the thing is people get really overwhelmed if you show up to someone's house and they're not happy because we have this expectation you should be so happy, right? Oh, my God, you wanted this for so long and now you have this baby. And then you get there and the mom's crying and she's like, yeah, Um, somebody we were talking about this the other day. Somebody brought up that I came into the office. Millie was six weeks postpartum. My husband started traveling. I was overwhelmed and scared to be in my house by myself. So I came to the office and somebody said, how are you? And I said, zero out of 10, don't recommend. And uh, someone brought it up as almost like, oh, you were so unhappy. But like, dude, like, no, like that is really like how I fucking felt. And it was really shameful to say that actually. Mm-hmm. And it was met with sort of like, <laughs> 
when I admitted <laughs> this, but it's actually very real. Yeah. And so I think let somebody meet people exactly where they're at. And don't make it all about like they have to be so excited about this or, you know, I also had somebody who came over when I was like six weeks postpartum. It was like, God, you really hold her a lot. Aren't you ever going to put her down? And I was like having extreme anxiety. And I was like, no, I literally can't put her down. But I didn't have the words to say that. So like, just be aware of how you're coming into the situation. And also, if you're not in good energy to go to someone's house postpartum, don't fucking go that day. Check in on your own shit first. I'm wondering for you. um. Like during that time, because I know you very well and I'm picturing like people coming over and like, are you feeling the also this like need to entertain or yes. like take care of the other person? And you're on like, and you're on like one hour of sleep, right? So yeah. like, you know, because you're up, especially if you're nursing or if you don't have additional help, like you're having very little sleep, especially also if it's like, you know, not your firstborn child, there's other kids involved. So I think there's a part of like, don't. You know what I mean? Like, don't expect that I'm going to offer you a cup of coffee, right? Like, what you can say is like, hey, um, let me go grab us some glasses of water before we sit down. Like, let me go do this for you. And you can take that away from someone by preemptively being aware and offering it before them so it doesn't put them in the spot. Because a lot of people are in such an elevated um, nervous system response level that they're not regulating their emotions or able to say like, oh, I shouldn't entertain them right now. Like, you just keep moving. Right, right. And I, you know, I'm just... You're kind of talking about like how that time was hard for you and you were vulnerable about it to be able to say like zero out of 10 wouldn't recommend. The thing that I love about you and I know so many other people love about you is how vulnerable you can be in those times when you are struggling and how it allows other people who are in that position to also be vulnerable. And you know, I just I from what I hear is like what a lonely time that can also be mm-hmm. and how much that vulnerability can connect you to others yeah. in certain ways if it feels safe for you. And I and I was so lonely, right? Like now I think things might be a little bit different if your partner is like virtual or has more space. My partner asked you, he went back to work when my daughter was three days old. I was by myself. He asked his boss if he could work from home for one day and they said no. Um, and so, <laughs> I but I also, I just don't eat, don't I even, um, <laughs> but you're also, especially if you're experiencing intrusive thoughts, which we know is a hundred percent of women experience intrusive thoughts and about what do we say? Um, six, uh, 60 to 80% are like scary intrusive thoughts, yeah, right? Yeah. So also there's a part where you don't know how to talk about what you're feeling and you're scared. Like I had a lot of, it was really hard for me to walk down the stairs carrying my daughter. I was very sure I was going to throw her over. You know, like my house, we have like open staircases Mm -hmm. and I would have this like intrusive visual thought of me throwing her over or falling and she falls out of my, like it was very comical. Now that I'm thinking about like it would be like never could this even happen. But in my head, I was going to trip falling down the stairs. She was going to fly out of my arms. She was going to hit the ground and die. And so I would have to stand at the top of the stairs and talk myself walking down. And I did not realize that that was like, oh, this is severe postpartum anxiety and not, you know what I mean? Like I was just like, oh, all moms have intrusive thoughts. And so it's really, it's such a unique time because it is incredibly difficult to ask for help because you don't really know how hard it is. And something that we just learned actually is that with those intrusive thoughts to know that it's less than 1% of the time that those things actually happen. Right. That like you as a parent actually like follow through with what 
those intrusive thoughts might be. Well, we were talking about, we, we did this uh, seminar with, um, I wish I remember her name, Hillary from the Postpartum Stress Center in Rosemont, yes. Pennsylvania, director of education. She was fucking awesome. Incredible. They are an amazing resource. And she we did this education and she said, like, one of the reasons we're also really scared about this is because it gets a lot of media coverage when there is a postpartum psychosis where a mom hurts their children, right? Like you, like, they, it seems so scary and so violent and so overwhelming that we think that that can happen to any of us. And it's like very, very low very, chance. It's like almost impossible that it does. But yeah. because it gets such media coverage and you hear about it, it feels very possible, which really can shut you down as well. Absolutely. Okay. How to handle other people's unwanted comments or suggestions, especially in laws? Shut it down, right? So everyone has different styles. Um, I'm more assertive in my style. So for mine is like, get the fuck out of here. I'm not even going to like do that. Or if it's like too much, it's like, you cannot speak to me that way. Um, that is a very direct response. And I understand, especially when you're in that space, that's really hard to do. But this is the importance of being on the same page with your partner, even beforehand of saying like, okay, you know, I know that you can get defensive. You know, I, I know that you um, feel you love your mom and you're really close with her, but sometimes her comments do really hurt me. And I really need you to be on my team about this. Right. Um, which is a really hard ask, right? Is that if your mom says this, I need you to do this or I don't want. And the other thing is like, you don't have to have people over right when you come home. And that is like, people have this expectation you should have people over. I asked for nobody to be at my house when I came home with my daughter. I knew that I could not handle anyone else. And so handling people's unwanted comments and suggestions, and maybe you can't say in the moment, but maybe you can text them afterwards and say, I am struggling. Please be aware of what you say around me. And people are also like really easily make it about themselves. I can't tell you the amount of people I've heard stories of that they'll be like six weeks postpartum and their mom does something super shitty or their parent does something super shitty um, and kind of makes it all about them. And so if that's the dynamic that you're in, you can set the boundaries and you don't have to be involved in that. Like your only job is to take care of yourself and that child. Mm. So good. We are so excited to share our newest sponsor with you all, Hungry Root. Hungry Root is the easiest way to get fresh, high-quality groceries and simple, healthy recipes delivered to your door. The team at Hungry Root just sent me a new box full of amazing stuff. It was literally like I was opening a present going through it. Seeing what was inside and trying everything was just so thrilling. In my Hungry Root box was chicken salad, veggies, dumplings, shakes, cookies, and so much more. My favorite thing I tried was the drumroll donuts. I highly recommend them. The ordering process could not have been more simple. You take a fun, short quiz and Hungry Root will get to know your personal health goals, what you like to eat, the kitchen appliances you use, and more. Then they'll build you a personalized cart with all of your grocery needs for the week and give you delicious recipe recommendations to put those groceries to good use. Hungry Root will recommend recipes and groceries based on your personal tastes, but each order is fully customizable. Take their suggestions or choose anything you want. They've got fresh produce, high-quality meat and seafood, pantry staples, healthy snacks, sweets, ready-to-eat meals, and much more. Hungry Root has made my daily meal prep so much easier. The mental load of grocery shopping is exhausting, and Hungry Root gives me back that mental energy. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Shrink Chicks listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash Shrink Chicks to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash Shrink Chicks. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. 
When bloggers or influencers post their outfit links, nine times out of 10, I click on it and immediately exit because the price is bananas. It wasn't until recently that I clicked on something expecting it to be the usual out of my price range sweater and it was under $60 at Quince. Quince has become my ultimate destination for luxury essentials that won't break the bank. Let me tell you about some of the gems I found at Quince. From their 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters starting at just $50 to their washable silk tops and dresses, organic cotton sweaters, and stunning 14 karat gold jewelry, Quince offers a range of high quality items at prices that are truly within reach. And here's the best part. All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Yes, you heard that right. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the middleman passing the savings on to us. I recently got my hands on one of their washable silk tops and let me tell you it has become a staple in my wardrobe. Not only is it incredibly versatile, I've worn it to work, out with friends, and even dressed it up for a date night, but the quality is unmatched. Give yourself the luxury you deserve with Quince. Go to quince.com slash shrinkchicks for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash shrinkchicks to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash shrinkchicks. Okay, how about this one? You ready for this? <laughs> I'm so how, scared. <laughs> I know. How to maintain my career and also be a mom. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I prepped you for it. <laughs> um, frozen. She's frozen in time. <laughs> listen, it's possible. It's like really, really possible, but you have to let go of perfectionism and expectations. There is a way to do this, but you have to change the way that you do it. So you have to change the mindset around it. I am maybe not going to be able to. I like, listen, like I missed my daughter's first steps and it sucked. And I straight up said to the nanny, I was like, please, if she walks, don't even tell me that I came home from work one day. And she's like, you should try it tonight. She's really close. And then like my daughter did. And I was like, she's clearly already been <laughs> she, walking. She like did a dance. She's like, she like danced her way she, like yeah, down she, like, the steps. She joined the mambo. And I was like, I feel like she's maybe done like, before. Yeah, she's and maybe done. <laughs> it's been weeks. <laughs> I texted the nanny. I was like, she already walked in. She was like, yeah, but you told me not to tell you. Yeah. So oh, that was nice. <laughs> <laughs> you might miss out on some stuff and it is that you can't be 100% to everything, but you can have an amazing career and be an amazing mother, but you're going to have to, there's other stuff you have to really, but you, part of those is if you've been using excelling in your career as social currency or self-esteem building, this is going to hurt it. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to have to refigure out your identity. And if you've get if you've been getting all of your self-worth from your career, then it's going to be a really tough transition and i'm not speaking from experience on that or anything if you're getting all of your self-esteem you have to find other ways to get it you're gonna have to figure out other things that make you feel good and it also gives you a lot of information on yourself right like it's like you're not just your job and you're not just a mother and so how do you deal with the duality of who you are and the different parts of yourself can you touch on the fear of talking about ppd and therapy parentheses it says mandated reporting ah it's everyone's biggest fear in a mandated report yeah. so first i have to understand what mandated reporting right so mandated reporting in the state of pennsylvania is i'm going to hurt myself or somebody else and there has to be a plan to do that having suicidal ideation or thoughts about i wish i could just run away or I wish i could escape or it'd be easier if i wasn't here that's not mandated reporting mandated reporting is i have thoughts of doing this and i've actually already um gotten all the pills together to do that and i plan to do it 
on Thursday. That's that's what has to be mandated reporting. But you can also say that to your therapist first. I'm scared to talk about some of these things because I are you going to report me? And that's like a fear for all of us that like, and that's the thing is like we're scared to say these things because we're scared someone's going to think that we're a bad mom. And if a therapist makes you feel that way, first of all, I'm so sorry. And we have to find you a new therapist and we yeah. will help you do that. Email us. Um, <laughs> but postpartum depression is normal. Yeah. It happens. It's it's typical. And so it's also the importance of having a therapist who understands postpartum, right? And so don't go to a sports psychologist for that, <laughs> right, right. right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, find someone who, like, do, like does your specialty yes. and has either credentials in perinatal care, um, has experience and all this stuff, works at some place like the Postpartum Stress Center. Um, you can ask when you match up, make sure they have experience with this. And you can say, what's been your experience with postpartum depression? Yeah. And how have you helped clients like me? Is a really great question to ask. We said uh, one of the best books you could read is Good Moms Have Scary Thoughts, right? A Healing Guide to the Secret Fears of New Mothers, Kleinman, Karen, McIntyre, and Molly. Um, we'll link it in the show notes as well. But like this is very, very common. And it's normal for you to feel that way because I think all of us are a little confused about the mandated reporting, even us as mandated reporters, if we're being honest. Um, and so you can say, what would you need to report? What is the thing I have to say? But yet, if you have a plan or if there's furtherance towards that plan, that's what would make it a mandated reporting situation. Um, but I think all of us are so, there's a feeling I've, I've heard from so many people about like the fear of my kid getting taken from me. Mm-hmm. Right. That if I like, tell someone how I'm really feeling, they're automatically going to think I'm a bad mom and take my kids. And that's not it. I've never met a therapist that wants to separate um, a parent and a child. Right. And and that's where I also think it's really important to have someone who does specialize or has yes. worked with someone who uh, with postpartum depression so that yeah. they can really understand um, that it is natural and it is part of it. Um, and yeah. it doesn't mean you're a bad mom. It doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you, that this is just this is just part of the process how about this not feeling instant connection with your baby this was me it makes people really uncomfortable right every person's like didn't you love her the moment you see her i said no my vagina hurt um i didn't have that experience i felt really overwhelmed by the entire process i was overwhelmed that she had 12 fingers and 11 toes i was overwhelmed that i didn't realize I knew it was going to hurt and everyone says it's going to hurt but i didn't realize like the discomfort that comes afterwards Mm -hmm. um I was overwhelmed by how huge my emotions were. I was overwhelmed by every part of it, right? So it's really normal. And for some of us, we need time to feel that. I remember at six, she was she was probably around. Everything really fell apart at six weeks. I keep bringing this time up. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she was, oh no, I remember seeing my husband is eight weeks and I said she's eight weeks and I don't feel anything and I am the world's worst mother and I cannot believe um, that I wanted to be a mom my whole life and I don't feel anything and I'm like such a disappointment, like the, the grief and disappointment I felt. And then she started um, smiling like two days later and I was like, just kidding, I'm fucking obsessed. <laughs> and so... <laughs> It was this like little potato when I just didn't feel those things. And I also had a bunch of other friends that were having kids around the same time that did feel those things. And I felt yeah. like the worst. Um, and as you know now, I don't like I'm so obsessed with my daughter. She, I think she is perfect. I think she is precious. I have nothing. Right. When someone's like, oh, you're being, you know, I, like I don't have toxic positivity around this. I genuinely feel all these things around away yeah. about my kid. Um, so I think give yourself a lot of grace. It's going. It could take time for you, and it doesn't really say anything about you besides this is an insane transition. Mm-hmm. And talk to someone about it. Talk to a postpartum specialist. Talk to a perinatal a therapist. 
and get some shit normalized because you'd be surprised how much that can help. Once again, I love how much you're normalizing this because you hear all the time, you know, right after giving birth, the response is, I have never felt this much love in my entire yeah. life. And that's, you know, a lot of the Instagram posts, social media posts are like the way that people talk about it. Yeah. And so, you know, when you have that expectation and you're not feeling it, of course, it would be easy to feel like, oh, there must be something wrong or I must be a bad yeah. mom. And you are such an incredible mother and you care so much about Millie. And to just normalize that, like, you didn't feel a connection at the yeah. beginning doesn't mean anything about who you are as a mother. And I was really lucky that my partner was on the same page as me. That like I looked over him in the hospital and I was like, do you feel like everyone, like all the nurses left and our, like our parents were there. And I was like, do you feel anything? And he was like, no. And I was like, okay, me either. Like I was sort of like, do we on the same page here? Yeah. Right. And then I actually helped me feel incredibly close to him. I felt yeah. very, very close to my partner at the beginning until he went back to work. And then I felt very abandoned, which was not him, but it was like how I felt. But so it, for me, it was really nice that I had someone like really normalizing it. Yeah. But also I would say, I mean, you know me, the majority of people that visited me after I had Millie like made the entire thing about them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like almost everyone was like, let me come in and talk about my stuff. And I was yeah. like, attract. Great. <laughs> Great. I'm on maternity leave. This is not. <laughs> That's not a maternity leave because I started seeing supervisees <laughs> like three weeks later, right? Like. Uh, great i love I'm i like, love that you and your husband are fighting uh, that's that awesome. must be really I, hard i want to die like you know it was like really not a great situation we're laughing about it but it's but not we're laughing funny. but it wasn't fucking funny at the time but i didn't have the words to say it so it wasn't like i wasn't telling anyone i was internally frozen yeah and so i think that's the thing is like you know i hear people be like well if you don't tell anyone no one will know for a lot of us when you were going through a mental health crisis you cannot say it. Mm. And then later, I mean, it took me years and years to come out and be like, wow, I had really bad postpartum and I didn't know how to tell anyone. I was talking in couples therapy. Um, as much as many people know, if you listen to the show, my husband has been a stay at home dad and now he's going back to work. <laughs> and I'm like really proud of him. But I'm like very like, oh, man, it's been like really nice for us to all be, you know what I mean? Like you to yeah. be home. And it's been like such a great time for us. Um, but in couples therapy this week, we talked a little bit about how when he first went back to work and I was home with Millie, I would have this obsession around time. So if he said to me, I'm going to be home at 530 and it was 531, I was freaking out because in my head, I was like, OK, I didn't hurt her today. I didn't break her today. And he's about to be home. Right. So one hour left till he's home, 20 minutes left till he's home, five minutes left till he's home. And then if he wasn't there, I was holding on so tight to get through. I then exploded. And so my husband then started getting anxiety about being late and getting yelled at by me, right? We started this really bad cycle. And now he's going back to a job where there's going to be travel sometimes. And he's like, I'm really scared. And I was like, me too. <laughs> and <laughs> we, I am also freaking out. <laughs> and you are freaking out. And we're all really scared about this change. But it's as they get older, it's like a really different scenario. And so what I want to say, it's like every mom is like, no matter how you're handling with this, it's, it, it could be okay on the other side. Right. And like, listen, if somebody had recorded me, if there was a video camera in my house, my first 10 weeks postpartum and that shit got put on the Internet, y'all would be like, this lady is unhinged. And I was <laughs> and I really, really was. And but I, I didn't I didn't have the words yet, even in this yeah. career. I didn't. Yeah. 
it's a completely different situation to be in the thick of it and yeah. you know to and to to know that that's that is a period of time that you got through but like it was a hard period of time yeah mm-hmm. you know i think it was important to tackle these questions and i like so appreciate it i know other people appreciate how vulnerable you always are em, um with your postpartum journey and so now we are going to touch base and talk to erica jossa to answer some more listener questions thanks for tuning in Thanks for listening. Let's go, Erica. Skeptical about custom beauty? I get it. My feet is flooded with customize this and personalize that, all promising to fix my fine lines and thinning hair. But when pros says custom, they actually mean it. It's no gimmick. Your formula couldn't exist without you. Their in-depth consultation analyzes over 80 factors for a complete view of your life and beauty goals. They get personal. Pros covers everything from your concerns to your age, exercise, and stress levels in order to uncover what's impacting your hair and skin health. They asked me about my hair loss being genetic in my family, how long it takes for my hair to get oily after a wash, what products and tools I use to style my hair, and even my zip code to understand how the water hardness, UV index, and cold dry winter in Philly might be impacting me. Next, they recommended a full routine of truly personalized products, which were only produced after I placed my order. Nothing pre-mixed, nothing off the shelf. Since I switched to pros, I've noticed my hair is so much softer, shinier, and fuller. I keep getting asked if I got a blowout from the salon. But don't just take my word for it. In a third-party double-bind dermatologist-supervised clinical controlled study, aka the gold standard in research studies, pros prove that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. Try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or get your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering my listeners an exclusive trial offer so you can see the difference custom care can make. 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash shrinkchicks. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash shrinkchicks for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas. Pros.com slash shrink chicks. Say goodbye to the cheap razor era, my friends. It's time to treat your body to the premium shave it deserves with Athena Club. Em and I just got back from an amazing trip to the Caribbean to celebrate our 10-year anniversary of our practice, the therapy group. And in haste of packing, because yours truly is a packing procrastinator, I forgot my Athena Club razor at home and had to resort to using a subpar flimsy razor that left my skin feeling anything but smooth, a mistake I will never make again. The Athena Club hype is real. The shave is seriously the smoothest I've ever experienced, and that is especially evident after having to use another razor in its absence. Aside from the amazing smoothest, let me tell you why Athena Club's razor kit is a must-have in your self-care routine. First off, can we talk about the price? At just $10, it's an absolute steal. But don't let the price fool you. This razor packs a serious punch. It comes with a beautifully made ergonomic handle and two super sharp razor heads that deliver an incredibly smooth shave every time. Plus, with the included magnetic hook, storage is a breeze. No more dealing with gooby blades or unexpected midnight shower crashing sound surprises. And the quality of the shave is top notch. Those five precision engineered blades glide effortlessly, leaving you a silky smooth skin every time. Plus, the water activated serum and built-in skin guards ensure a comfortable irritation-free shave. Are you ready to upgrade your shaving experience? Switch to the best razor on the market and show your skin you care with Athena Club. Head over to athenaclub.com to try their award 
award-winning razor and body products and get 20% off your first purchase with code SHRINKCHICKS at checkout. You can also find Athena Club razors at your local Target store. Trust me, you won't look back. Happy shaving. We are so thrilled to introduce today's guest, Erica Jassa, fellow therapist and host of the Mom Well podcast. Erica specializes in maternal mental health and created Mom Well to provide mom centered virtual therapy services and mental health literacy for moms at every stage of their motherhood journey. Welcome, Erica. We are so thrilled to have you. Thank you so much for having me. You are both a hoot and I loved having you on my show. And I'm so happy to be here with both of you. I just wish I had had your services when I became a mom. Like I right? can't say for anyone who's pregnant right now, even if it's not your first pregnancy, you have to get involved with mom well. It, I mean, it changes everything to have that type of support. And we just, it's unbelievable. I'm so glad someone as fabulous as you is doing this. I honestly wish I had the support that we provide. And I think that one of the stories that I tell about my sort of reckoning with myself was after my third child was born, I had three boys in the span of three and a half years. I was thrown off the deep end of motherhood. As a therapist who was very much a generalist at the time, I went through my own postpartum depression and anxiety. And I felt like I was failing. I felt like, especially as a therapist who does this for a living, like, how can I be struggling in this way? Come to find out that actually one in five women struggle with postpartum depression or anxiety or a perinatal mood and anxiety disorder. How in the frick did I not know that? Like, how was I not taught that in school? How did I not know that from my 10 years decade of private practice? So finally, I was like, listen, like, if I don't know, the general public doesn't know. And that's kind of how our social media was born. And as a result, being able to serve moms across Canada and all of US now. So it's really exciting. It's so cool. And I think your following speaks to how needed the support is and the community is. Yeah, especially right before the pandemic. It's kind of like we started like in the end of 2019 or so, and then the pandemic hit and it just, you know, how that went for moms kind of all downhill and hectic. And I think we're still feeling the after shocks and effects of that as well. Oh, absolutely. It's so interesting. So my daughter um, is going to be four. Well, when this comes out, my daughter will have turned four. Yeah. And um, so her class, um, her teacher at the beginning of the year was like, this is my first like really pandemic class. And these kids didn't have a beforehand. And so we don't know what this is going to look like. And the reality is, is that whether you're still in it, like, you know, in it or not, this is, I think there's shock waves that come afterwards for so many of us. And so for so many people, they got the community because there was mommy groups or different stuff like that. And it all shut down. Support yeah. to mothers was just canceled. Talk about your partners even being in labor and delivery with you. Like, I mean, like the the levels at which or like moms who tested, you know, positive for COVID who couldn't even see their newborns. Like it was there was some pretty messed up stuff that went yeah. on. And uh, yeah, moms need support sort of now more than ever, especially in some of the climates of, you know, things these days, I feel like, you know, moms just really need to be centered and need support. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And you know, it, it, it also speaks to the questions that we got for you that I think, you know, for us to be able to touch on and for our listeners to be able to hear some of the explanations, I think it can also be really validating. So we got a bunch of questions, but we really just wanted to dive into two very specific ones. We picked mm -hmm. our top two. Um, so I'll, I'll just shoot the first one and we can go from there. Mm -hmm. 
Can you please talk about postpartum rage? They think we are crazy when we are just overstimulated. How to explain these feelings to someone who hasn't experienced it? Hmm. So this is such an interesting topic and there's like many layers to it. Um, first of all, postpartum rage or what I call mom rage on uh, my page and platform often is like an uncharacteristic amount of anger. Usually felt postpartum can be felt throughout motherhood where like you wouldn't have described yourself as an angry person before. Now all of a sudden you're like so irritated or easily frustrated, losing your cool, fighting with your partner, things that are just like not typical of you. Um, even pets becoming extremely irritating and just feeling so frustrated by your dog or cat postpartum. Like any anything really can be the trigger, but um, but that baseline feeling just so much more irritable and frustrated. Now I see this from two different lenses. As an independent therapist who works one-on-one with people, I absolutely think there's like an individual component to this. And we know that anger is one of the uh like least recognized or like screened signs of postpartum depression. So if I have a mom come into my office who is talking to me about how she's recently postpartum and she's talking to me about how angry she feels, 100% I'm going to screen her for postpartum depression because it is just one of those red flags that often gets overlooked. And so on an individual physiological, you know, level, there could really be some things going on there that are not uh, sort of how we were feeling before and relationship satisfaction. Many factors can play into that. And then, and then this is sort of my soapbox moment. We've got this whole societal expectation that as mothers, we are patient and kind and gentle and nurturing and always have positive regard for our children and never get frustrated. So now I want to so desperately be a good mom in my new role. And I like, so angry with this little, you know, being for whatever reason, or I'm resentful that I'm up at night four or five times a night and having these like maybe even feelings of regret for having taken this path in life at all. And so this societal piece, it doesn't allow for a full range of emotion and expression in motherhood, I think also plays a role. Like I hear it in that question, like they think or judge my anger, but it's because I'm experiencing all these things and to normalize that you're human and we're allowed to have a full complex range of emotions. Mothers are not, you know, we don't become uh, inhuman or superhuman overnight as much as people would like to tell us that we're super moms, you know, like we're still human at the end of the day. Mm. I love that explanation there. And I think it's so true because then there's such internalized guilt, right? If I don't become that unconditional positive regard, sweet little mom. And like you were a human before you were a mother. Right. And this idea, but it's true. I felt that pressure too, especially, you know, we want to like be these gentle parents and do this different stuff. And like, this is one of the reasons why I myself had to get off of social media because I was just feeling like shit. Yeah, totally. (laughs) And so I love the way that you're really talking about this. And you're right, like, there's none of those screenings. Now, I don't know how they do it in Canada, but the U.S., as you know, it's fucking garbage. And, um, (laughs) but just a garbage, you know, country currently. And especially to moms that, like, I got one screening after from my daughter's pediatrician gave me one screening. And it was just like, can you get out of bed? 
Mm-hmm. Uh, right? Like it was the most basic thing. And I was like, yeah, man, I can do all those things. Also, I threw a glass at the wall the other day, but you didn't ask right. me about that one. <laughs> right. And talk about rage, right? So we've got a spectrum. And as a therapist, when we've got um, moms coming and talking about their experience of rage, I'm wanting to understand sort of all facets facets of it because there are pieces that don't resonate with others. Like I'm not a yeller. So if you're talking about anger in the form of yelling and raising your voice, like I sort of retreat and go the opposite direction. So we've got like internal expression of anger where we take it out on ourselves. So we can be angry and we can be frustrated, but it's like, you friggin' idiot. How could you have done this? You're the worst mom. You this, you that. And, and we go inward with it. Or we can be more outward and express our anger outward, um, whether it's like physical forms or in lashing out or in, you know, raising a voice or mean words and things like that. And there's sort of this continuum in between those things where maybe we don't outwardly sort of like combust or like let go, but we like are biting our tongue every second of the day so we don't lash out at somebody. And that is equally as problematic, even though you're functional in your day. The fact that you are having to use so much restraint to try and keep, you know, the pressure valve on is a problem. And that really speaks to some unmet needs. And when I talk about mom rage, I get questioned a lot, like, why moms? Like, what about parent rage and dad rage and all of these things? And it's for the very reason that I described with this whole societal messaging is that nobody else is policed for their anger more than mom's add another layer women of color or potentially men of color, you know, in a, in a different context, but like being shut down or minimized or told that this is not allowed to be your experience is the very reason that I call it mom rage, because there is a societal expectation and layer on moms that there just simply is not on, on partners and fathers a lot of the time. And so it's a unique experience to feel so smothered by your role and shushed and not able to talk about it. And of course, that would make anybody angry, right? Like, of course, that is extremely frustrating. And so allowing ourselves to acknowledge, you know what, this is okay. I'm allowed to feel angry. Why am I angry? Like, what is going on beneath here? Is it, am I, you know, right in the thick of postpartum? Am I sleep deprived? Do I lack support? Like, once we stop shaming ourselves, then we can start to really become curious and explore, like, what is actually really contributing to this ever-growing sort of pressure bomb we've got building. Mm. Oh, okay. That brings us like perfectly into our next question that I would love to hear your thoughts on because I loved your thoughts in that one. So what do we have for number two? Mom of preemie twins here. I'm sure I had postpartum anxiety, but in some aspects it helped. Who would be chill? I struggled between knowing what was helpful situational anxiety versus gone too far anxiety. Oh. Oh, this is so good. I have a couple of podcast episodes on like, what is normal mom worry versus what is like, you know, diagnosable or like more uh, towards the lines of anxiety. Now we're talking preemie, we're probably talking NICU. That's a whole added layer here, potentially trauma, not just anxiety. Because one of the things that I hear from um, NICU moms and preemie moms is that in the hospital, they have a lot of reassurance on how their child is doing. They've got monitors. They've got real, you know, in real time feedback about the health of their child. Then they go home and they've got none of that reassurance. Well, that is a recipe for some real anxiety right there and how we're going to wrestle maybe or like digest the, go through the trauma that just happened or how we're going to 
work through not having that constant reassurance available at our fingertips or sort of within our sight whenever we need it. So that is a unique challenge and experience, I would say, that um, has many variables sort of woven into it. But stepping out of that, when we're talking worry versus anxiety, I would say that there is a baseline tone of worry that new parents feel. We are learning on the job. We've never been trained for this. We are not prepared. We are, you know, so badly wanting to take care of this little fragile human being. And a certain amount of worry, of course, is to be expected. But when we're talking postpartum anxiety, we're talking the dial tone of that baseline being so turned up that it's very hard to hear anything else, see anything else. And it comes out in a couple of forms, I would say, that I see with clients. Over-researching. I mean, we are so far down the depths of Google trying to make the right choice, the perfect choice, Um, you know, just needing reassurance for the choice that we did make. Did I make the right choice? researching really starts to take over. Sometimes this can look like gatekeeping where we want to be the only one who is with our baby and we don't really trust others with them. Or it can actually look like the flip side of like not trusting ourselves and being so doubtful that we actually don't want to be left alone with baby and we want our partner or our mother present over checking certain things. So when we are uh, spontaneously going and checking on our baby in their crib, sort of out of a sudden intrusive thought that has come up or a fear that has just emerged, Uh, feeling the need to constantly weigh baby after feeds if they're breastfed or certain things like some of these impulses. It's so hard. It's really hard because some of these things are rooted in really normal, you know, I say normal, that's not the word, common experiences. But like postpartum anxiety just like takes it to another level. And so if it's like interfering in that way, if you feel like you cannot get reassurance from your own hands and eyes and in the moment what you're doing and you've got to rely on something or someone else, then I would say that dial tone is is higher than it should be and that you should seek out even just a conversation with somebody else to see where you you fall in terms of anxious symptoms. One last thing about that is also intrusive thoughts. How many intrusive and scary, you know, disturbing thoughts are we having? At what frequency are we having them? And at what intensity? How sticky are these fearful, anxious, worried thoughts? And how easily can you move through them? Little trigger warning here, but like an example, if you are going to carry your newborn down the stairs and you have an intrusive thought of dropping your baby down the stairs, do you avoid going down the stairs? Do you scoot down on your bum and you change all of your behavior because of these scary, sticky, sticky intrusive thoughts? Or can you like ground yourself a little bit, give your head a shake, take a deep breath, and very cautiously then proceed down the stairs? And that's a little bit of a of an example of how sticky or controlling these intrusive thoughts can become. So that's also another measure I'm looking at to sort of understand whether this is normal worries that come and pop in and out or whether these are really sticky, anxious thoughts that we're experiencing. Mm. 
it's wow. funny because I know that was such a good explanation. I think it's so helpful for so many people because this is part where you feel like it does feel like the anxiety is helpful, right? Like I had this where I thought now I have like some perfectionistic and other anxiety stuff, but I thought that like me taking breastfeeding so seriously was me being a good mom. Yeah. I thought me wait, right? Like all this stuff I thought made me better, but it really just made me like one, turn other people away, not get the support that I needed, and also not stay in tune with myself. So like, oh, like, you know, thinking back now, I'm like, oh, I, I wish I gave up breastfeeding earlier. I think that would have been better for my mental health. But like I was in this thing about how I had like had to do it so perfectly and you want to get it right. And there's a lot of pressure to do that even if it's not coming from inside your house, the calls inside the house. But um, <laughs> like, yeah. you see, like you see it online about how to like help these things. But I think there is a part where you feel like it's making you better and it's really hard to check in. It does feel like um, a really thin line. It's what we call the perfect mother myth. It's what is called intensive mothering, actually. It is the approach to mothering in our day and age that is rooted in some core beliefs that are you know, you have to be and do it all for your child, that it needs to be all consuming and you aren't doing it right if you aren't fully fulfilled by and consumed with your role in motherhood. There's some real, real thick and, you know, sort of entrapping and, and clinging norms that we've been raised with and that we see it day in and day out that we've internalized. And when we step into this role, we so badly want to embody them. And we want to do it right. We want to be the perfect mother, but there is no such thing. And I'm with you. That's what led to my, I call breakdown slash breakthrough was I was clinging to this idea of being the perfect mom, doing it perfectly, doing it right. There is no one right way. We parent according to our values. That's different for everybody and that's okay. Um, But add that perfectionist, like, myth of being able to do it right and perfect with a dose of postpartum anxiety. And let me tell you, I was like revved right up, right? Like I was just all consumed with doing this role perfectly. And um, it's, it can be a, it's a really challenging combination, but perfectionism and anxiety also go hand in hand, just like it does with intrusive thoughts. So it's tricky to navigate, especially as a first-time mom. Like the first time around, it's like, this is what motherhood is. Like, how do I know what a baseline should be? Now I know. <laughs> now I know. <laughs> Three children in, it's a little different. But yeah, it's it can be, we want like, it's our most valued role. We want to do so well at it. And I think just to sort of wrap up this thought is it's all well-intentioned. As you said, part of this is so evolutionarily like normal. Our brain wants to protect our child. These intrusive thoughts we know ramp up because we're, we're biologically are wired to want to protect our children. Like there's so many facets at play that it's not, we're not pathologizing any of these urges. Like they make so much sense when they are taken into a societal norm and narrative that really, um, tells us to mother at a cost of our own well-being, then we've taken it too far. And then we need to dial it back and say like, listen, I'm not even going to put my needs first on the table in my family. I'm going to at least put them on par with my family. They're going to eat. I'm also going to eat. They're going to shower. I'm also going to shower and really try to ditch and move away from the fact that being a good mom means I have to sacrifice every part of my my well-being. And that's hard. We're going against a narrative that is so entrenched for us often. So it's difficult to unlearn and to do it differently. 
Mm. Oh, Erica, we could always talk to you. You have the best advice. So give us before we end today, give us, you know, your top two pieces of advice or tips to consider for new parents out there. Ooh, okay. So the first one is when people are giving you advice or trying to tell you how to parent, they are trying to hand their values over to you in a bag for you to pick up. And you can say, no, thank you. Um, those are your values. They're not mine. And I don't need to carry those around with me. We have our own bag of values in our family. And I appreciate that. But no, <laughs> you know, and uh, it took me a long time to learn that. And two, um, your child doesn't need you to be perfect. They don't need you to do it right. Nothing about attachment research or relational research tells us that we have to operate perfectly in our relationships you will make mistakes and you can repair. And when we can accept that and that we're not perfect, we can really start to live in motherhood and we can really start to enjoy our role and, you know, not not live in fear of breaking this so treasured like bond we have with our child. It's not going to break. It's very rubbery and flexible and it bounces back and uh, we can repair along the way. So perfection, not a requirement. Ah, love it. Ah, that was truly, I think this conversation is going to be so incredibly helpful for so many of our listeners. So we cannot tell you how much we appreciate you coming on. Tell our listeners where they can find you. Oh my goodness. So I have the MomWell podcast, uh, MomWell on Instagram and Facebook, but on our MomWell platform, we serve, we've got perinatal specialists, so maternal mental health, mom therapists, we call them across Canada and the U.S. really specialized in this transition. And we've also got a learning center there where they can take a category that, you know, they're experiencing relationships, maternal mental health, search by topic. And we've got hundreds upon hundreds of articles of me with experts talking through all facets of motherhood and parenting. So lots of free resources there as well as those therapy services. Amazing. Oh, amazing. And that was that online or an app? How can people find that? Oh, momwell.com. That's momwell.com. You can find me through, navigate through Instagram or, or any other way to find me. Yeah. Momwell.com. You need this resource. We cannot thank you enough for being on, Erica. I have a feeling our paths will cross again. Mm, I hope so. And we'll be seeing each other soon. Hey, if you enjoyed today's episode of Shrink Tricks, we always ask you to rate, review, subscribe. If you liked it enough, send it to a friend. Um, You can follow us um, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, I don't know, all the million things I'm told to say each time. You can watch us on YouTube. You can see us on Shrink Tricks. And if you'd like to find another clinician, you can check us out at The Therapy Group, thetherapygroup.com. If you are located in the states of massachusetts new york new jersey delaware pennsylvania florida or california more to come soon and we'll see you all next week on shrink chicks 